I'm Katie Bennett-Stenton, the host of the Katie Talks podcast, exploring the intersection between leadership, culture and mental health. My expertise is in strategic marketing, change management and stakeholder engagement with blue chip corporate and consulting. My passion is empowering organisations to think well beyond the status quo, to grow business with impact and build technology-enabled communities. I was recently recognised as a finalist in the Are You OK Day Conversation Champion Awards. I'm really excited today to welcome Catherine Newton, CEO of Are You OK, an organisation that most Australians know well. Catherine, I'm really delighted to be speaking with you today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. So, Catherine, your strategy has involved to instill lasting change in schools and workplaces. Um, and your professional focus, your personal professional focus on suicide prevention started when you became a lifeline counsellor. I'd really love to hear mm. more about that. Yeah, it did. I was in um I was in the corporate world, I was in insurance and I had realized that I hadn't um hadn't volunteered for a while. I hadn't um done anything community based and I was flicking through a local paper, kind of when we had papers back mm -hmm. then, and well, I was looking yep. through and I saw the Lifeline Telephone Counselor course advertised and I thought that's I've always been interested in counseling. I studied psychology at college. I just feel like I had a you know, it's just something of interest. And so yeah. I went along, I signed up, it's a six month course. Um, and you get put, when you first arrive, you get put into groups and you're given a mentor for your group. And I recall that my mentor sat down and said, this is gonna change your life. And I thought, geez, that's a bit of a, a bit of a big call. No? <laughs> I know I'm gonna probably enjoy it, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure about changing my life. But it absolutely, um, opened my eyes. I was on the phones for around 18 months, two years, and just the um, just the, and the beauty of learning how to really listen to someone. Um, there were a couple of calls that really, really surprised me. Um, one was the number of women that were calling in abusive relationships and situations. I was oh. always stunned every shift at the number of those coming through. And the other was that people who were, you know, calling for a chat and, and one of the things about calling Lifeline is that, you know, people can talk about anything. There's, it's confidence, you know, people, you don't know the people that, that they're talking about, so there's no worry about this yeah. getting back to people. So people can really share. It's um, such a good way to offload and vent and doesn't always have to be a crisis. So that's what I realised is that, you know, people need an opportunity to be able to talk about what's on their minds and help unravel those thoughts to try and stop the big things become the small things becoming big things. And one of the things I noticed was that people did have people in their lives. They did have friends, they did have family, um, but there was a lot of shame around the struggles they were facing when there was no shame at all in what they were feeling and thinking. So much of it was very normal life, everyday ups and downs. And I thought, gosh, isn't that, isn't that something that people have got people around them, but they don't feel they can talk. And so yeah. coming from this, that I thought, I wonder if my skills can transfer into not-for-profit. And so I started to look around and uh, indeed, they, uh, I found out that they did. And I um, started my not-for-profit career with White Ribbon, Preventing Men's Violence Against Women. So again, in that prevention play, space, health promotion, behaviour change. 
And then after an, um, after some years, um, the opportunity came and uh, there was an, off, an opening at Are You OK? It was a small team back then. There were, well, we're still yeah. a small team. There were, I think there were seven of us, eight of us at that time. Um, we've now got a team of 20. And yeah, started in 2016 and took on the, uh, the CEO role in 2019. That's incredibly inspiring and if if we had four hours I'd love to see you with a whole lot of questions uh, about what you just said uh we don't have four hours sadly one of the things one of the first thing questions that I really wanted to ask there was if when you started the six-month course if you had been asked right at the beginning whether you were good at really listening to people what what do you reckon your answer would have been I would have said I'm all right but um it has been the biggest life lesson for me. And I think if we can teach our children that listening is a fundamental life skill, I think it yeah. would be incredibly, incredibly helpful um, for mental health and suicide prevention. Pre- prevention. Listening to someone with an open mind is a skill. For many people, for many of us, we have, we have so much unconscious bias, um, but we also like to talk. And we also like yes. to interrupt and we also like to, to, to fix things. One of the biggest things, um, you know, that, that, I've, that I try to say in my, you know, in, my, in my role, in my personal life, my professional life, all through what I'm learning through Are You OK? is that you've got to, you, you can't fix it. So I, how can I fix someone's grief? How can I fix their relationship breakdown? How can I fix their illness or injury? How can I fix that they've become a new parent and their world has turned upside down and, you know, they're not getting any sleep? There's not a lot I can do there. I can offer my support, but one of the best things I can do is say, look, I can't fix it. I, I can't imagine what this feels like, but I'm here. What can I do? Tell me about it. And it is so, so valuable, so valuable and can really be life changing and life saving. Well, that's really it's a very interesting nuance to me that you don't need to have any understanding necessarily about what somebody is going through to be able to provide support. No, exactly. And that's the difference between, you know, this is where uh, Brené Brown's um, sympathy and empathy um, comes yeah. in. It's about having empathy. It's not about saying, Oh, poor you, that must be terrible. Oh, my goodness. You know, when I had this, this is what I did, and I think that you should just buckle up and do this. It's about yep. saying, oh, that sounds really tough. I can't imagine what you're going through, but tell me about it. I'm here. What can I do? Because when we're given, when we're struggling and we're given the chance to be able to say, to, to unravel some, you know, I, I know someone who calls it, you know, like big knots. And if we're allowed the time and the space to unravel threads, if we're allowed the time to vent, if we're allowed the time to be able to say the things that are running through our mind, then it can feel an incredible relief. Now, what I'm not saying is that just having, you know, being able to have a vent and be able to say something in, you know, in one chat isn't going to mm. change things there are enormous enormous challenges that that we go through and that, and that people face in life I'm in no way saying that one conversation one opportunity to be able to speak is going to solve and fix things but what I'm saying is it's about respect and it's about empathy and it is about being present 
please, please, for anyone listening, if you're going to ask the question, are you okay, please ask it in a genuine way and please stick around for the answer. If they, you want them to tell you how they're really doing. You want to hear an honest answer. They're not going to do that if they don't trust you and they're not going to do that if they can tell that you've got to pick the kids up in five minutes, if you've got a meeting in five minutes, if you're just not yeah. being present, if you're on your phone while you're talking to them. We know that a good conversation is about trust, the environment, and being genuine. Oh, Catherine, I love what you are talking about. If you were, let's build on this, if you were in charge of establishing a public health care system in a new country, starting, mm -hmm. well, starting from scratch. <laughs> big job. What, yeah. Yeah, big job, big job. Big but job. You're, big you're job. a lady up for the challenge. What support <laughs> would suicide prevention look like if you were in that realm? I'll speak for, you know, I'll speak on behalf and speak, you know, as to, you know, what many, my peers and any service providers that are, that are listening there is it's holistic. So going to one service, um, I'm talking about any kind of service. I'm talking about um, Centrelink. I'm talking about emergency. I'm talking about your GP. I'm talking about any therapy that you might need, whether that's physical therapy or mental health therapy, that it's holistic, that Everyone who provides a service is trained yeah. in mental health mm -hmm. and suicide prevention so that we can spot signs, so that we can have a reduction in stigma, so that we can look out to say, you're presenting to me or you're here to get this. However, what I yeah. can see or what I'm spotting here is that this is also impacting your mental health. So um, a whole of government approach as well. So Department of Social Services, Department of Health, Department, you know, we've got finance, we've got defence, everything needs a holistic approach because our lives are not one tiny little box. It's not just a box of mental health and that's what we put it in and don't open up the sides. It, mental health and suicide knows no boundaries. It can impact no. any one of us at any time in our life for many, many, many different reasons. And so if we had um, a system where we were all on the lookout, where we were all aware, that would massively contribute to, um, to being able to spot signs early, helping with prevention and, um, and reducing the stigma because it would, be, it, it would be so appropriate to be able to say, and how is your mental health? How are you feeling? Now, again, I'm not saying that it's all about prevention and I'm not saying it's about um, you know, this is a very utopia, utopia idea here, but yeah, everyone needs to work together. If you've got a team around you, a team of professional support, your psychiatrists, your psychologists, your GPs, your manager, your friends, your family, wouldn't it be good if we could all talk about things um, in a way where, where there was more understanding and less stigma? No, no stigma. I... Uh, when we were speaking earlier, I, I, we, you and I talked about, or oh, I shared the story of a member of my family who attempted suicide last year. And I, I remember in the very first few hours after that happened, being, having, being completely overwhelmed with very strong emotions. But, but, you know, I'm really ashamed to say that shame was one of the most strong emotions and 
you know, I know a lot of people. I mean, I my innate need was to talk to people who were very mm. close to me then. But I know that so many people just don't ever share. And as I've sort of had more conversations with people and spoke about it in, you know, in a few public realms, people have come up to me after that they've only ever told a couple of other people that they've been in a very similar situation. And, you know, I barely made it through a couple of years that were very full on and I talked about it and the shame pretty quickly disappeared because mm-hmm. people I spoke to didn't didn't share didn't share that view of shame they they wanted to be supportive and and could mm. see that we were really grief stricken and I think that stigma if if one thing could happen to change it would be that removing the stigma yeah, absolutely. Shame is such, um, you know, there, shame, it comes from so many different spaces. You know, have I'm a, you know, have I, particularly with families, what did I do wrong? Where did we go wrong? What is this going to yes. look like? Yes. Um, you're also aware of the person who you're supporting, who is struggling, um, the impact that it might have on their circles as well. So, oh gosh, if they do find this out, what's that going to, be like there's cultural considerations spiritual considerations so shame is a really big thing but like you say often when we share um we we realize that it it's it's you know we're not alone we're not alone in these feelings and and we see that others go through it and that's where suicide is still such a taboo subject because it's scary and it's devastating and it's worrying and it's frightening but we, you know, Suicide Prevention Australia, you know, recently put out their latest um, research. Research one in five of one in five Australians um, report having experienced a suicidal behaviour in the last twelve months. Mm. One in five. So think about your circles. There will be someone in your world who is, you know, who is struggling. Um, and and I'm not talking about it will always, you know, it's always going to be a crisis. It's always going to be um, suicidality, but you know, people are bereaved, people experience it themselves. It's more um it's more common than we think. It's just hidden. And that's what we yes. need to we need to bring it um to the forefront. We need to talk about it. One of the most protective factors when someone is considering suicide is being able to talk about it. So the myths are, um, and it's, and I completely understand these myths. And again, this is where I, this is where I was unaware, and the training really helped. Talking about suicide doesn't mean yeah. make someone do it. It actually provides them with an opportunity to talk about how they're feeling, to talk about their fears, to talk about their thoughts. And so, what we know from those who have experienced suicidality or have attempted is that being able to say yes. That is what I'm thinking of without, you know, with someone staying calm and staying with them mm-hmm. and allowing them to talk mm-hmm. is such an incredible protective factor. But it's scary and we need to get used to talking about it. It is scary. Catherine, in your role, you must speak with a, a huge range of people. I, I'm really I do. Really to understand. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I do. It's fantastic. What, yeah. <laughs> If we if we flip this conversation to being focused on 
prevention and mm-hmm. energy and positivity. What what two or three mm. ideas have you heard that have most excited you in you know in that realm of discussing reducing the stigma around mental health struggles? I would say. I absolutely, when we get out on the ground, we, are you okay? We do a thing called the Conversation Convoy, which is where we, um, because we're health promotion, it's um, it's it's about it's around messaging, it's awareness, but we do a lot on the ground. And like you said at the beginning, um, encouraging and and helping schools and workplaces and communities to activate. I just love getting out on the ground, and you know, I'm a walking billboard. I'm in a bright yellow t-shirt that's literally, you know, are you okay? <laughs> and you get people coming up to you very freely saying that they're not okay or telling you about someone who's not okay. And what I love is when people do that. So they're not afraid. Like, I mean, you know, the, the best conversations yeah. I have is usually when I'm on, a bath, I'm on a bathroom break or I'm walking into the local bakery. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just being around and someone catches me for that quick, quick interaction and just says, you know, this is, I haven't been okay, but I, but I went to see the doc. I haven't been okay, but I talked to my mate. I wasn't okay, but my, but my boss or my teacher was really good. You know, you know, the, yeah. are you okay? Is good. So it's that it's it's what I'm seeing more of, definitely, of those those kinds of interactions. And I think as well, things, you know, there is there is a you know there's research into suicide prevention and mental health, but it's different ways of approaching um, how we get people talking. Um, you know, there's a great. Um, a great clinical psychologist who works at Movember, his name is uh, Zach Zeidler. And, you know, and just the way that he talks about how men are interacting and how men are connecting, he just puts it in such an everyday language. And he, he, so he really makes it relevant. So I think a new approach to de, um, you know, to not being so clinical, to, to, okay. help, to helping people know that you don't have to be a GP, psychologist or psychiatrist to chat to someone about their mental health. And that's what I love when that penny drops. Um, there's also there's advocacy happening at the moment for children, some more um, some more work around children's mental mental health and well-being from that really early age, which of course I think okay. everyone would agree how critical that is. And um, and there's talk as well, which I love, um, around flipping it from um, mental health or mental illness to mental fitness. Mm, I like that talk about our physical well-being and fitness so let's talk about yeah. our brain and our mind yeah well it's it's a it's a muscle I I was at a mm. was at a networking lunch yesterday and everybody got up and introduced themselves and you know one of the chats said I'm five weeks today post knee replacement and I can stand up and I can walk and I'm ahead of the curve in terms of how I'm doing you know there was not a skerrick of stigma around that Talking, you know, talking about well, mental health or struggles. Uh, yeah, it should be should be the same thing. I'm, I'm as a marketer, I my interest is really peaked with your being the walking billboard with people approaching you. <laughs> that that I, I read an article and I can't remember the details enough of the details yesterday, but I, I will I will share it with you. Um, mm. That was talking about advocacy on for for First Nations people with mm-hmm. with um, branding and and words on clothing, and there was a really interesting link with um, 
raising raising money and support and conversations for uh, for First Nations people linked with clothing that they were designing. I will find the article. I can't remember Ooh. the saving points, but mm-hmm. it's it's really your that comment's really making my mind um, tick along as a, mm. you know, as, mm. a as a marketer. Yep. Um, you have to be genuine and you have to create relevance. People have to yeah. see themselves in what you're, you know, in, in your messaging, which is what you know, 101. Yes. So, yes, yes, if you can capture you can capture attention in a genuine way, you know, that authenticity coming through, um, and people can see themselves um, in, the, in your call to action, then, mm-hmm. yeah, you're on the way to winning. I love that. That's awesome. Catherine, you have a huge platform as the CEO of Are You OK? What mm. audacious goals are you looking forward to over the next couple of years? I'd really, um, I always say that I really want to see um, the taboo around suicide come down, you know, to really crash, you know, to really crash through it. And I, and I think about the, the wave of, um, of the narrative around mental health. That's what I want to see for suicide prevention. And I think, you know, that's, you know, all of us in the mental health and suicide prevention sector, you know, w- want the same thing. And this is, you know, remember that RUAK is young. RUAK was, um, was born by our late founder, Gavin Larkin, um, in 2009. And so we're really young, but decades and decades of work that has gone on before us by um, other awareness campaigns, by support service providers, by the healthcare system, to be able to get people to think and talk about mental health. So won't it be amazing when we get to a point where we can openly talk about um, how we can help someone who's feeling suicidal? Absolutely. That is my goal. That's a great goal. I share your goal and I think it's fantastic. Last year, during an EAP session, I mentioned earlier that Mm -hmm. I was um, grappling with the trauma of a family member having attempted suicide. And last year, I um, made use of the EAP system that my Mm. employer provided. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of sessions that were really useful. And then I came along to the third one, you know, with my good corporate background of setting the agenda for the meeting. And here's what I'd like to achieve right up front. And I, you know, I said, I, I have these, these particular issues around how I, how I support this person, you know, given that they've just, they've just attempted to take their own life. And given at the time they were also suffering from a really bad eating disorder. And that's what I'd like to achieve in the next 50 minutes, please. And I was told that we couldn't focus on that because the purpose of the session was to focus on me because I was the employee. Now, in Mm. retrospect, yeah, in retrospect, I mean, I, the employee, was was grappling and completely overwhelmed with this with this issue, and that was what was going to help me. But it's as I've sort of paused and reflected on that, it's it's my observation that a lot of the time, corporate support to mental health is really a bit of a tick box exercise. Mm. It, it mm. takes an academic approach. Well, mm-hmm. you know, what is best practice in inverted commas? It's having an employee assistance program. So tick, we've done that. And mm-hmm. 
I'm really interested in your thoughts around what happens on the the corporate front and and what you know what world leading amazing looks like. Mm. It, yep, it happens. Absolutely acknowledge that it happens. Workplaces, there are workplaces um, that do that do um, consider it a tick box exercise. I will say that that is definitely changing but there is mm-hmm. there is a way to go uh, my approach is that I will say uh, I'll openly and publicly say to those workplaces who are just putting up the poster on are you okay day and saying that you've got an AAP yeah don't do it you know you are causing if that if if just putting up sorry you know if just, if just putting up the are you okay day poster is what you think is mental health support then please don't do it because you're causing more harm than good the whole purpose of suicide prevention and, and, and positive mental health culture is that it's authentic. There's a variety of support services. There's a variety of communications. Your leader is authentic and that your managers are skilled um, in being a, in mental health and, and suicide prevention training and, and, and well-versed in soft skills. Like I said, being able to listen, not panicking and reaching for the HR you know, for the HR department when someone says, can I have a coffee? You know, I need mm-hmm. to talk. So it's, um, there are a plethora of things that we need to do to improve workplace culture. But those who are doing it really, really well are having that variety that I just spoke to. And so it's it's a, like a juxtaposition at the moment because we've got um, so much, well, we've got a lot of awareness out there. And remember that there is still a long way to go. And there is so many more people to reach, um, you know, particularly um, older demographics, um, priority populations, rural, regional areas, there's, um, there's a long way to go. But for the workplaces, um, you know, that I see who do it well, it's that authenticity and it's an all-year-round culture. Please don't just all ask your round. team if they're okay on Are You Okay Day. Every day is Are You Okay Day. And I will often say to managers, I, I know it's an investment of time, where you um, to check in with your team regularly, but you have to do it. It is far, far better to have a, a little conversation on the side. How's things going? How's the family? Um, you know, when we're at work, we spend a lot of time with each other. So we kind of, you know, a lot of the time we'll know what do people do on the weekend or what do they do when they're not, um, you know, when they're off shift. And when people yep. stop doing things they love and they enjoy it, so it can be a really big sign that, that something's not going so well. And so things like that, little things you can keep your eyes and ears open for. By having regular check-ins, you'll build trust. By having the trust, they're more likely to come to you when things um, are not in crisis and they're not so big that it's going to be really hard to them um, to be able to find, you know, to be able to work to work through it and to be able to help. So my advice is to have an everyday culture, be genuine, skill your staff, and have regular check-ins. Thank you, Catherine. In closing, I would love to understand what you do, some of the things you do personally uh, to support your own mental health. Yes, yes. Well, I I practice what I preach. Um, I wouldn't like it if I didn't. So definitely, <laughs> you know, really work hard on that team culture. Um, but in terms of personal-wise, I live, um, my partner is Wi-Fi worker. So we spend okay. a lot of time apart and also my family, my parents and my sister are in the UK. 
So for me, it sounds cheesy, but for me, connection is really, really important. So I really make time um, for FaceTimes. I make time for phone calls. I make time for, you know, for sending little cards and messages just so that I, um, for me, it's really important that I still feel um, that they're close by. So that's, um, I really prioritise and make time for that. And I'm a big believer in doing the simple things and the simple things that I love um, to help my men, my well-being and stuff is going for walks and getting in the ocean Mm, okay for me Mm. and switching off definitely switching off I try not to um I I I put the phone down um an hour before bedtime I find that works okay Mm -hmm. that does yes we we, one of those things we read about but I think a lot of people don't Mm. necessarily uh subscribe to well you know each to their own each to their own whatever works that's what works for me. Catherine, this has been a really interesting conversation. Thank you. I've taken lots of lots of notes uh, about elements I'd like to instill uh, in all of the conversations and relationships that I have. It's been a really useful, super interesting conversation. Thank you for your time. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for chatting. Thanks for listening to the Katie Talks podcast, where we explore the intersection between leadership, culture and mental health. I'm always keen for feedback. Please leave us a review so that other people can help find our awesome content. You can find me at Katie Bennett Stenton on LinkedIn or email me at katie at bennettstenton.com.